0: Broadcasting from the island of North America on AMR.fm to the people of the Global South. This is Radio for the Blind, and I am Joshua David McLaren. The ground is built of suppositions, and we all, more shaky than the ones before us, stumble in our tumbling ways towards something we can only hope to thus attain. We stand, we sit, we think, we dream... All of it, and none of it, the same as once we were before. Forgotten? Nearly so. Remembered by a torrent of malignancy gone wrong. We shudder in our shouldering ways, an effort fit for dreams. A close encounter with the innocence we once knew all too well. I guess this must be the chase scene here. The sirens, the clapping hands, the sound of quiet freedom as it runs its way through yonder bush, and its lengthy fingers through our hair, all of these befit a tragic loss of some intelligence gone wrong. What efforts there, what solace in the mud, has all the world now gone to pot and fled? Am I solely left within its grip, a wanderer made of quietude? Or am I slipping, even now, towards something less incredible than real? Chapter 8. Raised Poor I've never really liked the idea of sharing with others how much money I have or how I am spending it. By American standards, I was raised poor, or more aptly put, financially deficient as there are many in this world who are truly poor by way of such deprivations. I have long since learned that, regardless of my family's financial deficits, while growing up, I was always quite far from ever being truly poor. I began working as I was able, babysitting, landscaping, whatever someone would pay me to do. New items, such as clothes or toys or anything of that nature. Yes, I grouped clothes and toys together, came on Christmas Eve, only one present each, Christmas Day, birthdays, and just before school began each year. My grandmother would purchase for us each a new outfit consisting of blue jeans and a cool new shirt, shoes, socks, and a belt sometimes, if we were lucky or in need. My mother would stockpile all her rummage sale knickknacks that she found for us throughout the year, She would hide them in the nooks and crannies of our home, and often we would search for them or simply stumble upon them while at play. Of course, we would have to feign surprise when they were unwrapped later, though our mother seemed to always know the difference between a ruse and a legitimate reaction. We never had much by way of possession growing up, but we always had happiness at the core of our relationships, so we were fine. I saw this happiness again within the Philippines, despite the wretched claws of poverty. There, one may find a nation of inequality, quite ravaged by disparity. I could go on for a lifetime speaking of the people in that country, and although I will abstain for now, I will have it known that the suffering in what is commonly referred to as the Third World, though more aptly put, the Global South, whether we want to acknowledge it or not, is ever-present and should not ever be ignored. We have tastes of it all around us in America as well, though we choose to ignore it and move about our lives perpetually convincing ourselves that justice is being paid and beds which have been made are now filled with the almost corpses of society's most damned and weak perhaps darwin was quite right we'll say and pass on by unfortunately it seems that our humanity is finding it quite difficult to supersede our humanity at times all case intentional so back to the matter at hand I believe that a large portion of what ails us here is our own willingness to accept our several circumstances for the benefit of saving face or building a facade of what our dreams convey to us. Ladies and gentlemen, I regret to inform you that, though we are 400 years beyond Jamestown, the rules of governance in that colony still exist today. Those who work hard will survive. Now, here is the interesting part. For as long as I can remember, I have seen my father work hard, sometimes with multiple jobs, often without great thanks. I have seen him struggle, I have seen him frustrated, I have seen him dream, and I have seen him set those dreams aside for the benefit of that last, most desperate word, survive. I have watched as he has moved into a job with great promise and excitement, given it everything he has, and after years of working hard, been laid off. I have watched him again with great excitement purchase his and my mother's dream house only to have it ripped from underneath his feet after struggling to keep it. I learned at a young age that if I want anything in this life, I have to work for it. I have dug ditches, carried rocks, knocked on the doors of strangers, and offered them wares I did not care to sell them. I have starred in major motion pictures, I have served coffee, waited tables, and called people in their homes to give them surveys or sell them credit cards. I have worked in kitchens, managed people, driven cars, assisted in the post-production of films that most of us have seen. I have built houses, worked on farms, fed and cared for animals, helped people overcome addictions and abuse, participated in medical tests, shimmied through crawl spaces and addicts climbed telephone poles, taught people how to use their computers, built furniture, taken orders, carried luggage, taught English, dance, acting, and so on and so on and so on and so on. I have found that there is a certain constituency of Americans. Perhaps it is a human trait, though I cannot say for sure. That will, when given the knowledge of what it is that I have done for work, immediately classify me as their subordinate, though my intelligence and knowledge may greatly exceed their own. Of this thing I have neither choice nor control, so I simply accept this and move on. Again, I am taught that if one wants anything in this life, one must work hard for it. I have worked hard for every single one of my dimes, and I appreciate them greatly, though I may at times be responsible for managing them quite poorly." I have discovered that life can be affordable if one redefines one's needs. I feel that many may be somewhat distraught, feeling downtrodden at times because of the financial difficulties that arise from a faulty definition of their needs. There are many I am certain who feel they cannot find respite from their troubles because they simply cannot afford to do so. To all of you who feel this way, I implore your understanding and your attention. What you are feeling is just not true. The purpose of life is to find and maintain joy. Not just happiness, mind you here, but joy. Joy is something that we feel in our very core. It is something that we have most consistently, whether we are happy or sad or angry or frustrated or any of our other multiplicitous human emotions. We do not need money to have it. We need only to find the love that exists within ourselves and within everyone and everything around us. Once you have the edges of it found, it will grow within you like a warm and friendly cancer, causing you to smile more than frown, to laugh more than cry, to accept more than to judge. I have a vivid memory from when I was a child of a time when my parents came home from a date. They were absolutely elated and in love with one another, regardless of the welfare food that filled our stomachs. They had gone to the store to buy milk. That was their date. They required nothing more beyond the raw simplicity of the other's company. The two of them had joy. I'm still uncomfortable with sharing my exact financial circumstances at this point, but suffice it to say that, as I write this essay, I am in no way within the pecuniary black. I am in debt, as are most Americans, and I have a very small financial buffer that is probably far below what you, as my listener, consider to be small. However... I take great comfort in the fact that Thomas Jefferson, one of the greatest Americans to have ever lived, died with a tremendous amount of debt that plagued him his adult life through. Yet he seemed to live his life quite well, albeit lavishly at times, and on the backs of slaves, a reprehensible effect of the status quo and ignorance. I have always been convinced that if another human being could do something, then so could I, if I really desired. I have proven this to myself again and again, and I know that this is true for almost everyone. We are all human. We are all the same. Believe this, and you will find that all it takes is motivation to open the world unto yourself. The possibilities are endless. But so can the excuses be. So be wary of the negativity in your life that is forcing you away from the path that leads you to your dreams. We must begin with the simplest approaches— we must consider our dreams. We must make goals and write them down, then reduce them into smaller pieces until they cannot be decrypted further. Then we must begin the task of executing them, one tiny task that leads to one single goal, just one at a time. You will find the world unfold itself to you, but you must work hard and be willing to step into a ditch that may be full of feces if that is your dream's requirement. After all, If someone offered you your dreams with that as the sole stipulation, would it not make sense to do it? This is what separated the living from the dead in Jamestown, and this is what still separates us now. Only this time, the terms are figurative. We must work hard for this new dream, for our nations and our world will not rebuild themselves without our individual contributions in this way.